we were we were on break. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, we're sorry we were gone two weeks when we told you we'd be gone one week. That's how the cookie crumbles. Join our Patreon and you still will get content every week, even if we take a break. Because guess what? We don't take breaks on Patreon. For $4 a month, you can have an episode every week. That's like about a dollar an episode, unless there's not four Sundays in the month, then it might be less or more than a dollar. I don't know. It's always four 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 Sundays a month or five. Yeah, so it might be cheaper than a dollar depending on what month you buy. And for seven dollars, you can have that extra live stream if you want to be real spicy. So sorry to make this real a whole spicy. plug, but I'm just saying if you missed us, but the pa- yeah, Patreon.com/slash never never don't post that content because that's, that's where our very small amount of money to keep the show going comes from. Also, buy our merch. Thank you. You guys, our merch is so good. And we have new merch coming out soon. It keeps getting delayed. It was like supposed to come out April 1st. And then we were like, nah. And then I had to move across the country. And then Haley had to move. And so just God bless. Yeah. And then I hit a depressive web short, a depressive TikTok last week. Because I was saying to Alana that... I hit a depressive episode on Wednesday and she was like, technically a depressive episode is more bad days than good for two weeks. And I was like, then I hit a depressive TikTok instead of episode. Okay. Depressive web short. I see. Get I it? see the vernacular. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you. It's an intellectual joke. It's a mentally ill joke is what it is. It's a mental illness joke. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. Hey Lexi, what would your royal name be? Uh, my royal name would be Alexis of Reno, she who has too many birds. You have one bird. That's too many. <laughs> <laughs> and Haley, what would be your signature royal jewelry? Definitely something with an emerald because that's my birthstone and I love like that deep green. I don't want to say tiara, but a tiara, like an, a tiara with some emeralds would be cool because like this might be the first and only chance I could like rock a tiara. Like I want Excellent. that sucker to be like 20 pounds sitting pretty on top of my head. And I'm Alana and the crown jewels were underwhelming. Love that. The Tower of London was an experience. But they were it was good terrible. as far as like I as far a as a well you know, done historic site, a well done historic though site. heavily biased. Have oh, I mean, I mean, museums are not neutral. Have you heard about that musical on Broadway, soon to be coming back to Broadway, uh, called Six, which is Henry the Eighth's Six Wives, and it's kind of like a punk rock. I know I'm gonna get some hate for us saying it's punk rock, but it's like rock esque musical. Yeah, I got an ad for six on Instagram this morning and I was like, this is either a sign or if Instagram knows my browsing history. Yeah, Instagram knows your browsing history. Instagram knows my browsing history. Maybe it's both. That is one of the top shows that I want to see on Broadway. Like now that I live in DC, it's going to be a little more difficult. I don't know. I feel like it, it will come to the Kennedy Center now that like Broadway is happening again, which we'll see. But right, I do want to see your six. Magic. Six, because I'm a feminist, you know? A brief warning for the stories we are about to tell. The content will contain 
references to some abusive relationships, violence, and in general, some not-so-nice things. I'm about to tell. The story is called Catherine of Aragon, The Audacity of Mediocre White Men. I'm sure that title could apply to any of the other women we're going to talk about in this episode and the eventual sequel to this episode. But in case you haven't noticed, based on our banter about six musical, today we're talking about three of the six wives of Henry VIII. And this is the first one. We didn't do this on purpose. Like I didn't pick the first one on purpose, but I guess it's kind of fitting. Catherine of Aragon was born on December 16th, 1485, and she was the youngest daughter of Ferdinand II of Aragon and his wife, Queen Isabella of Castile. And the two were renowned for reuniting Spain. I don't know much European history. I always forget that she's their daughter. Like Ferdinand and Isabella are the ones who like commissioned Columbus. Right. So I always forget that like, oh, Catherine of Aragon is like that Aragon. (laughs) Spain was originally like the Aragon region and the Castile region. Actually, there were four regions, if I remember correctly. I'm sorry, Spivak, if I don't remember correctly. I mean, I took AP Euro and I don't know any of this. So yeah, this is stuff from my AP Euro class. So Spivak, if you're listening and I am misremembering, I'm sorry, I literally took that class 10 years ago. Not quite. Castile and Aragon, and then two more that I can't remember, but basically the the leader of Aragon and the leader of Castile got married and like reunited Spain. Well, that's beautiful. And this is their child. So good for them. I don't know. I don't, I, like I said, for taking AP year, I literally have no clue. I know more about Korean history now at this point, although I took Korean history much more recently. So I guess that makes sense. So despite being a woman in a time when women did not get to be educated, Catherine was kind of privileged to be in a royal family with a mom who like gave a shit. And so Catherine was very well educated and she is regarded by some crusty ass historians. I'm gonna say crusty ass a lot in the story as being a stubborn woman. And this is just a theory, but I have a feeling that's related to her being a hashtag girl boss and men not really liking that. Like, I don't think she was genuinely stubborn. I think she just stuck up for herself as a woman. And there's lots of evidence to suggest that. So in 1501, she was married off to Prince Arthur of Wales, who was the eldest son of King Henry VII of England and heir to his throne. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) he was her third cousin. (laughs) And uh, they had been engaged since they were kids. Cause you know, just like, (laughs) just little royal things. So yes, all the royals from all the different countries were all related, gross, anyway. Unfortunately, Arthur passed away less than one year after they were married. So naturally, Catherine had to marry his younger brother, Prince Henry, who was like really too young at that point. So like they had to wait a little while. Um, And he was now first in line for the crown. So she was still like in to be queen. And stealing his dead brother's lady and his dead brother's job was such a Prince Henry thing to do. And as we learn more about Henry through these stories, I'm sure you will understand what I mean by that. 
it's pretty iconic. Not that the marriage has anything to do with anything except that it's like a diplomatic deal, but people still try and be like, oh, like Henry and Catherine really loved each other. Like I call bullshit. So she was just pawned off to the next prince. Like I don't, I don't, I don't believe anything. So England, uh, England ended up having some beef with Spain after she got engaged to Henry. And so Catherine's dad was like, hold up, I'm going to withhold your dowry um, until Henry's in charge. So Henry VII yeets, and by yeets, I mean he passes away. Henry VIII takes over, and then Ferdinand's like, good, a young, manipulable man is now in charge. Here's the dowry. And, like, gives his blessing for them to actually get married. For a while, it seemed like Henry and Catherine were, like, a pretty good match and that they were well-suited for one another intellectually. She even served as regent for Henry while he was fucking up France for two years in classic English fashion. I don't remember much from Euro, but I do know that England is often fucking up France. And that's just something they do. So that seems very British to me. In the eight-year period from 1510 to 1518, Catherine had four daughters and two sons. Unfortunately, only one of her children survived past infancy, future Queen of England, Mary I, who, again, don't remember much from AP Euro, but I remember she was like wilding out as a Catholic and her little sister or little half-sister hated her. So maybe we could do burned an episode the on them. Yeah. She burned the churches. <laughs> we could do an episode on them. Um, Bloody Mary is her nickname. So you might've heard that over Queen Mary I. You might've heard Bloody wow. Mary. Wow, England's just like a dumpster fire for once. Are you surprised? So are you surprised England is a dumpster fire? You're surprised? Um, so Henry, of course, was crusty as shit and did not like the idea of having a female heir. You know, classic, gross, old white man, 1500s energy. In fact, instead of being excited about being a dad when Mary was born, he said to one of his pawns, what do you call that? One of the people who he tells shit to whatever. Royalty freaks me out. Confidant. Yeah, sure. He said, we are both young. If it was a daughter this time, by the grace of God, the sons will follow. So he was like, chill. Like my wife just went through a bunch of shit. She had like a miscarriage and a stillbirth prior to this, but like, I still don't give a shit about her feelings. Disgusting. Catherine was really going through it. Like she'd lost her very young children and her husband was being a huge dick. So yeah, instead of taking care of his wife, he just blamed her for not having a son and treated her like absolute crap. And he also is recorded to have been superstitious and believed that he had like betrayed God and by marrying Catherine and that that was why he wasn't having sons. So he kind of was like any excuse but for himself. I mean, listen, you can't like control the sex of the baby that can pop out of you, but you can control what kind of parent you are. And Henry fucked it up is what I'm saying. So he decided he needed a plan to get himself a new baby maker. Very Handmaid's Tale. Love to see it um, because he truly is the worst. He truly sucks. At the time, the royal family of England, um, and this is the Tudor family. So specifically the Tudor family of England, they followed Roman Catholicism as most of the country was forced to do, under which divorce is not Chile. Like, once you seal the deal, either you murder the other person or you just die like that. You know, you're in it. Foreshadowing. Thank you. This is the first story of the first wife. So, you know, these are your options. Die, murder. 
to be fair, what is one it? Of divorced, them? beheaded, died. I think it's divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how we should have opened the show. Anyway, we're a hot trash fire, just like how England was during this time. Yeah, so you could not, you could not get divorced. Why none of his wives ever poisoned him to any point, as many women will want to do at the time. Like I. It would, come on, you can't tell me one of you didn't have the fucking balls to drop something in his fucking drink or something. Thank you. I just hate this man. So Henry has his plan, right? Because he can't get a normal divorce. So he, his plan is annulment citing the biblical prohibition on fucking your dead brother's wife. Okay, well, technically the prohibition is on marrying your brother's widow. But like, same difference. It's the 1500s. One leads to the other, blah, blah, blah. Catherine, who is a bad bitch and did not want to be unqueened and liked her cushy queen life, claimed she and Arthur never did the deed. So therefore they have never, they never consummated their marriage. And according to Catholicism, sex is marriage, which is a whole other thing, a whole can of worms we can open. She was like, so technically Henry was my first and only real husband. He's the only man I fucked. Good for her for at least exploiting this horrible anti-feminist patriarchal thing for her own good. So this is so complicated, I can't even. But as Sandra from Survivor, the TV show Survivor would say, queen stays queen, hashtag queen stays queen. Sorry for that niche reference if you've never seen Survivor, but go watch Survivor Pearl Islands, queen stays queen. Maybe I do a Sandra episode as one day my lady for something. I don't know, like badass Latinas, the episode. (laughs) Iconic. So anyway. Back to Catherine. For almost a decade, the Pope just straight up ignored making a call taking either Henry or Catherine's side. Why? Because the Pope did not want to ruin his relationship with the Holy Roman Emperor, who happened to be Catherine's nephew, because European royalty is just incest. Henry, sick of the Pope playing favorites while also absolutely doing nothing, had his archbishop in England annul the marriage and separated from Catherine. So it's like not a divorce because an annulment, but like, but this was only five months after he had already tried to marry his second wife, Anne, in like a not so real ceremony. And then like, it became real when he annulled the other one. Um, And Anne was Catherine's leading and waiting. And we'll get to Anne. Someone else is covering Anne later. But uh, betrayal. Women support women. What the fuck, Anne? And of course, Henry had Parliament pass a law that made him head of the English church. And this kind of started the long steamrolling process of pushing Catholicism out of the country, which is so complicated, could be a whole other thing on its own. One of the only things I do remember from European history class, but basically this man changed the whole country's religious trajectory forever so that he could marry his mistress, which is iconic, (laughs) but also this man's the worst. Catherine was removed from court and denied contact with her daughter, who was still pretty young at the time, who remained in court. And Alana will kind of pick up this story from there in terms of the what happens with Henry and Anne. But let's finish out focusing on our girl, Catherine. So she refused to send Anne her crown jewels because Catherine, as a devout Catholic, believed her marriage to Henry could not and would not be dissolved because in her mind, she never fucked Arthur. She only ever fucked Henry. And Henry had no excuse to like break up their marriage. So this woman died, this, this being her husband. And the Pope didn't acknowledge Henry's request. And Catherine, as a devout Catholic, from a family of devout Catholics, was like, Pope is 
like the representation of God on earth. And if he says, I'm still married, I'm still married. Even though he didn't really say anything either way. And um, despite being one of the most beloved royals by the English public, she died in isolation because of her ex-husband's bullshit. And she was only 50 years old and left her crusty ass ex until the day she died, continuing to write him love letters while he continued to be a dick and dick around with her former lady in waiting. Catherine, I love you, girl, but come on. That's, that, that's not cool, bruh. Leave his toxic ass, you know? I'm so glad you touched on the fact that Anne was Catherine's lady-in-waiting. What kind of love letter does a king write to a potential queen? How does one woo and pursue a wife from a throne? Uneasy is the head that wears a crown that can take the head of a disappointing lover. In fact, can you really even call it love if there isn't the potential of a guillotining at the end of the relationship? Henry VIII's second wife, Anne Boleyn. And just a quick note, because I saw a lot of, like, my sources were saying things you know, and historically, Anne Boleyn has been kind of like labeled as a seductress and power hungry and blah, 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 blah. blah. So, but here's yeah, the thing. Yeah, because you can seduce a man who has by far more power over you than you would ever have. Yeah. Him. Sure, right? that's how that works. So, but like, so <laughs> Anne either did not keep a diary or it has not survived. So we have no idea what she was thinking at any given moment. And that's just a fact of history. And anybody who does anything... Like, that's number one you have to acknowledge. Like, there's no way to know. It's the past. We don't know what they were thinking. This is just the things that happened. So Anne was born in, like, 1500 or 1501-ish. Uh, and her family moved around a lot in the way that, uh, you know, they were wealthy nobles in medieval Europe. And so someone would die. And then someone else would simply inherit a castle. And so they would move to the castle. And originally at the time of... Henry like courting her she was a lady in waiting for his sister who was the queen of France and Henry wrote Anne these love letters one of which y'all listeners heard being read at the start of the segment were they actually in love who knows because who knows is it possible that Anne's family was conniving and power hungry maybe so then Anne after receiving these letters or while receiving these letters from Henry moved to to become part of the, the phrase used was become part of Catherine of Aragon's household, which is weird, but it really just means lady in waiting. So anyway, Anne came to London and became Catherine of Aragon's lady in waiting. Sure. And Anne was a devout Christian, but kind of had a reformist look at it. And so it's possible that she actually gave Henry a copy of this book that was like, look, you can still be Christian and do kind of the things that you want to do. They got secretly married in 1533. One source said January, but the annulment to Catherine of Aragon didn't really go into effect until spring of that year. But Elizabeth I was born in September 1533, which makes me think that's why they said... Shotgun wedding? January. But yeah, so that's what makes me think that they said January was the month she they got pregnant and he locked it down in case it was a boy. Maybe. They didn't have the technology to know. No, of course. So not. he had to lock it down. He had to lock it down just in case. After Elizabeth was born, you know, famously not a boy child, Anne miscarried a couple times. And this made Henry, reportedly, who was very superstitious, think that maybe he had fucked up in the eyes of God. And so God was punishing him by giving him a daughter 
and miscarriages. Because that's totally legit. Because that's the equivalent of prenatal care in medieval times. You know, prenatal care is just praying. Right, And if you fucked up, God will, God will cause your wife to miscarry. And actually, along with being a queen, ousting the old queen, maybe inadvertently, maybe on purpose. We really don't know because it's the past. That's my tagline for this episode. Because it's the past. We don't know because it's the past. That's the whole thing. But Anne was involved in getting the so-called poor law through parliament, which is like secretly based. And by secretly, I mean kind of outright. It Local officials had to create work for the unemployed. In 1536, Anne was tried with a bunch of other men, including her brother, for adultery and incest because she was accused of adulterating with her brother. But did she actually do that? Who knows? Because it's the past. It's possible that Henry just got tired of her. And Henry, like, granted her an air quotes kindness. She asked to be executed by sword instead of axe. And he was like, okay. Which I I do think if you're going to be executed, you might as well be executed with a sword. And that's the end of my story. Two down and four more to go. And I'm going to add Jane Seymour, who is wife number three. Haha, sneaky. We're going in order. That's why heard Alana before me, aka Henry's favorite wife. Jumping into around four months after Anne Boleyn was charged with alleged unfaithfulness and adultery, unfaithfulness, same sort of thing, Alana covered and sentenced to death. The year was 1536. And on the day of her execution, you guessed it, was the day before Henry basically was engaged to Jane Seymour. And by basically, Henry VIII was now engaged to his third wife. Side note, Jane Seymour was also Anne's lady-in-waiting. So we just have like a whole kind of belong circle. He's got a type. A type. Yeah. And... A type, if you will. He has motive, means, and opportunity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So why was this marriage so quick? And it wasn't the shotgun wedding that we talked about before. Well, again, Henry is to blame, but we hear for Jane. We're all about Jane for these next couple of moments. And we don't know much about her motives. We don't think she was pregnant yet. She could have been because, like... The time that she was queen and birth is like it's like one year, two years, and you got to figure eight to 10 months. But again, history, we're talking about the 1500s. And we don't know much about her motives because we don't really know much about her. Like we don't have that many primary sources. And this is super common for all his wives because we, we just don't have personal testimony for them in general. But what we do know is that her family was super rich, but powerless in like the hierarchy of British England rule and until this marriage. This marriage was solidifying that the Seymour family was both rich and powerful. So, you know, 
that could have been somewhat of a motivation, but I don't see that as 100% decision by Jane, if you catch my drift. Also, there's this weird point where people, and I mean dead old people, are like, well, hmm, she wasn't that pretty. So, like, why is Henry VIII interested in this lady-in-waiting? And the Spanish ambassador at the time, gosh, this is so awful, even described her as, quote, of middle stature and no great beauty, and went on to say that maybe she, she got the marriage locked down because she was super duper in bed like totally hinting like they were she was great in the sack and that's why they were getting married <laughs> and you know what maybe probably premarital sex is a thing henry had sex before he tried to have some babes some babies before and henry did write love notes to jane while he was still married to anne so we got those that apparently has been documented so now we discuss more about the bedroom drama because that's what we do on Lady History and because Jane did what Henry always wanted, give him a son. Prince Edward was born at Hampton Court Palace. Shout out to Hampton Court Palace because they had a really excellent timeline that I kind of just like went along with and added extra sources, but they're like the OG people for Jane Seymour's story. It was recorded that he was born early on October 12, 1537. So again, you could have, depending on when they met and everything, when they got hitched, could have been pregnant, could have not, they may have been fooling around before. Unfortunately, Jane developed postnatal complications after giving birth to Prince Edward, which was noted as like a very difficult birth. And she died two weeks after the birth, but she was able to see part of the baby's christening procession that was held at the court. And honestly, like I feel, I know this is not modern medicine, but if a woman's suffering for two weeks, I feel like there's something they could have done. There was, like I've read books on like medieval, old England type medicine, I want to know more about this because something like when reading like different accounts and such, something seems sketchy. Like something seems like this woman was left in pain for longer than she should have. And she could have or should have gotten more medical attention. It was yippee. It's a boy. Okay. We're kind of done with Jane now, even though Henry was like, Oh, my favorite wife. And I have to insert what I took as a great joke from the Hampton court palace page because just my eyeballs were filled with joy and it's quote jane didn't last long but she delivered exclamation point jane seymour married henry 11 days after anne boleyn's execution she died giving him a longed for son end quote go hampton delivered joke i love it i wonder if they meant it as a joke i really hope so i'm gonna say they did so last note or notes to leave you is that she was the only wife to be buried together with the king at Windsor Castle. And I believe probably right, sniffing around some of this goodness was because she was the mother of the only heir to the throne. So like she got that royal honor because of men. 
that ever happened in history before? <sighs> Who could tell? So her legacy for the next wives slash the situation of England was that Jane was like the perfect woman in general, perfect wife. She was so loyal. She sacrificed herself by giving an heir to the throne. It makes me cringe. But like, really? Like, that's how she viewed her. They viewed her. That's really what royal wives were, though. Yeah, it really was. And I really don't think this was like a consensual or willing sacrifice, but more someone who was probably forced into a terrible life and at the hands of an evil king and overall crown. And that's how I'm going to leave. Jane Seymour story. That's it. I like it. You can find this podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes, the transcript of this episode, and our merch will be on ladyhistorypod.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or follow us on Patreon. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Instagram at girlbum.productions. Our theme music is by me, GarageBand, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. on lady history you guessed it we're doing part two of henry the stinky poop eighth's wives he was so bad he gets a second award lifetime achievement for (laughs) horrible husband